following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. morning is from John 1 verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All, thing, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Thank you. So I, I was, I'm planning to share with you what I'm calling a, a wrap-up to the Advent series that I did and I need to be careful because I can get lost in trying to explain how do you do a wrap-up on Boxing Day when actually it's never mind. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, but before I get into this, um, Robin and I uh, were discussing um, my message from last week. And she's right. I really should correct what I said. Emotionally, I feel I think I feel a certain way. But the objective truth is other. I said last week that I'm terrified of sickness when actually I get nervous around sickness. I don't know if you've ever said you were terrified when you were only nervous, but that's what I've been doing. So when sickness is around, I don't go lock myself in the closet and wait for it to go away or hide under the bed. In fact, if I was worried about things, like hiding under the bed does not make any sense. Have you ever looked under the bed? Like So it's not a place where one would want to go. But... Um, so I've had an issue with sickness my whole life, and I shared that as a way to explain that when I speak with confidence about trusting in God, I'm speaking as a person who is not naturally confident, who doesn't just kind of, I don't poo-poo the, the fear out there. I, I, I'm, re- I'm naturally more drawn to being concerned, and so to to trust God in the, in the midst of things like pandemics is a challenge for me. And I'm sorry if I didn't say that as precisely as I should have. How was that? Was that better? Yes, okay. All right. Um, 
by the way, I don't like. I'm I'm very happy to take. Um, uh, I love constructive criticism, and Robin, I do interact with what I say, but I rarely share with her beforehand what I'm going to what I'm going to say on a Sunday. So much of what she hears, she often hears for the first time, even though there's a lot of things about what I understand about God's word I do talk about on a regular basis. But anyway, what I wanted to do uh, this, this morning is look back on the four Advent themes of, of hope, peace, joy, and love and, 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 and reflect upon them in a particular way. And, it, and the way we're going to do this is, and I, it fits really well with Boxing Day, I'm sure you've received some presents, or I don't know if this was a bit of a, you know, I don't know what you've received this year, but um, I'm sure we've all received presents, um, and some of us love presents. But I wonder if there's some people, the way they love presents is they they love to see the presents all wrapped up and, and stare at them, or maybe take them from under the tree and put them on a table, and now it's a the day after Christmas, and you just stare at them and go, I love presents, and not open them. I wonder, I wonder if anybody does that. I, I doubt it. Though at the same time, I find that many of us have difficulty receiving presents. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. Because many people are trained from when they were young to say, you shouldn't have. Which I'm not sure... Not really sure what that means. I, I, it's probably an expression of being polite. Oh, you shouldn't have. But it's as if in some cultures people people are taught that you really don't deserve to receive a gift, which I think is a problem, because we have a gift-giving God that we're supposed to be receiving God's gifts. And so if we are taught from when we're young to say you shouldn't have. I think it, it creates a bit of a gap that isn't necessarily helpful, especially when it comes to receiving from God who wants to shower gifts upon his children. So, so there's, you know, besides saying you shouldn't have, um, I think there's some more deep-seated things in, in people's hearts that keep us from receiving in the way that we should. should I call these obstacles to receiving, such as, I don't deserve it. We often think we don't deserve what's being gifted to us. And yeah, we probably don't deserve it. If we deserved it, it wouldn't be a gift. A gift isn't a reward. It isn't payment. It's a free offering to some somebody based on the generosity of the giver. So of course we don't deserve it. But some people, maybe one of you here or watching online, that sense of not deserving it is such to the point where you have a really hard time accepting that you've been given a gift. It's something I've already alluded to. If we don't earn something, many of us feel that we really shouldn't have it. And some of us have been taught that, that we have to work for what we get. But that's not what gifts are all about. Be frankly, frankly, one of the reasons why we don't uh, receive sometimes, and an obstacle receiving to receiving is, we don't like the gift. That could be a problem. Or how about we just don't want it? Often there's a misunderstanding that's working there. We don't really, both with I don't like it or I don't want it, often it's because we don't really understand the benefit of the gift that we're being offered. 
though I could think of some things that if people gave them to me, I I don't like yogurt. Anyway, there there's things that we really don't like. Maybe I should like it, I don't know. Along with that is maybe we think we don't need it. We don't need it. So it's really hard to receive something if we think we don't need it. Sometimes we're being offered a gift and oh, we have trouble receiving it because we don't believe it. I got a call from one of our daughters this week, and you might know the news story that's behind this. She called me up and said, Dad, I just received a check for a $1,000, and I'm wondering if it's a scam. And so we talked a little bit, and it turned out there's this insurance company that's giving out uh, money because of this business arrangement, and all these Canadians, and I'm sorry if it's not you because it's not me, but it was our daughter, have been receiving a thousand plus dollars from this company because they have a policy with that particular insurance company. It's really, really true. But when you receive a check for a thousand dollars from some company, like what's the, like what's the catch here, right? So she really didn't believe it. So I, we were talking, I looked it up and it's true. And sometimes it's that way with God. We don't really believe the good things he wants to give to us. I've already mentioned misunderstanding. Sometimes we just don't understand it. I guess that had a part to play with our daughter. She didn't really understand what was going on, so it was difficult to receive. And one more reason, I'm sure there's other obstacles to receiving, and one reason why we have trouble receiving is sometimes we're just plain lazy. Now, again, I don't think too many people just stare at that gift on the table or under the tree and they're just too lazy to get up and get the scissors or whatever. You know, some of those bows are really, really hard to deal with. Most people aren't too lazy. They like to get and you rip it and you open the you open the the gift with passion. But in life, there's sometimes there's things that God wants to impart to us, but we just never get around to receiving what He wants to give. And probably the other reasons play a part in that too. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to share with you some stories about how God's helped me to receive in these areas that we covered in our in our Gospel Advent series. And I'm going to go backwards uh, in reverse order. I'm going to start with love. Love was a tough one because of the household that I grew up in. I've referred to it on several occasions. I grew up in a very disruptive household. My parents bickering all the time when they were together. Um, they... My father left when I was about 15 years old, uh, left for good. By that time, I have uh, had three older brothers. One of my my eldest brothers is gone now, but at the time, three older brothers, they were already living on their own. And so my father left, leaving just me and my mother. And, I, and even with my father around, um, I would describe my understanding of love as ambivalent. It, love didn't make much sense to me as I saw what was being modeled very poorly between my parents and then how they related to us and some of the, the difficulties between my parents and me and my brothers. So there were, words, there were words of love, but it didn't make much sense to me. And so now my father's gone. I'm, a, I'm in the middle of my teen years, going through puberty. I, I started puberty late. And I got my mom. And she tried her best to love me and care for me. She was a very generous person. Even in, in her deepest poverty, she was always someone to give and wanting to give. Um, but I really had difficulty relating to her emotionally. 
And I remember she would say to me, I love you. And I wouldn't say anything back. I just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand what she meant. I, I, I didn't know what love was, really. And I didn't know how to express it back. So a few years later, I come to the Lord, uh, just before my 19th birthday. And a year later, I'm off to Bible school. And in one of the features of being in, in, at what was then called Ontario Bible College, now called Tyndale University College, uh, we would be exposed to all sorts of ministries and missions. And in the four years I was there, I was interested, maybe I'll go do this, maybe I'll go do that, maybe I'll join up with this. Um, and uh, there was a particular ministry, it was actually a ministry to children. It was a Bible club ministry that I was interested in. And, and it, it obviously, it didn't work, well, not obviously, it didn't work out for me to work with them, that, which is fine. But the representative of, the, of that organization who would come to the school now and again, um, the Lord gave this person a real burden for me and would pray for me and actually su- su- supported us uh, in the years uh, following to some extent. Um, and uh, I'd gone off to, you know, quote-unquote coffee. I didn't drink coffee back in those days. And when I was being dropped off at the school, we were talking, and the subject of God's love came up. And I said, I don't understand God's love. I've been a believer for a couple of years. It's just something, didn't get it. And so they said to me, um, I will pray that God reveals his love to you. That's a good prayer. Well, it, it was not long after that that some changes in my life happened, and it has a lot to do with Robin. As I've been preparing this, I didn't think I'd get choked up, but I, I fool myself. So, um, so Robin and I had known each other from before. We knew of each other before we were believers. Um, and then after we both became believers, I was around 19, she was around 17, we somehow, I won't get into the details, we connected. We actually lived not far from each other. And as new, both of us being new Jewish believers, we became quick friends. I didn't know that she'd been planning to go to the Bible college that I ended up going to. The year after I went, uh, first went, she came the following year, and we were already friends. And then we became better and better friends until we eventually were going out together, got engaged, married, lots of children, and so on. And God used Robin to teach me what love was. And she would say, she, she, she would express love and she would actually t- tell me that she loved me in this platonic sort of way. And, and she grew up in a, it's partly because she grew up in a very loving household and then bring God into that. Um, and, uh, and so, she would freely express words of love. And as we were falling in love and, and um, became close, I began to understand, uh, receive love and understand what it was. To the point that eventually when my mother would say to me, I love you, I was able to say, I love you back to her. And so God healed my heart um, using Robin in answer to this person's prayer. I, I don't, I don't fully understand how receiving works, but at least let's say that I cooperated with what God was doing and allowed Him to change my heart through this gift of love that He was giving to me. Next one's joy. 
Well, for me, as I've shared on other occasions, the gift of joy came to me when I came to know him, September the 3rd, 1976. I was deeply depressed, having panic attacks, miserable, scared, terrified, scared of death, and big surprise, hearing about the Lord Jesus for the first time, God completely transforms my life, and everything became different. And I knew, and I've explained to you before, that uh, unlike what a lot of people say about differentiating between joy and happiness, joy in the Bible is happiness, is effervescent, uh, effervescent happiness bursting in our hearts. And that happened to me for the very first time my entire life as everything changed. Um, and actually thought, because um, I was on cloud nine for three, about three months, I thought this was going to be my emotional state for the rest of my life, kind of like happy and skipping and excited all the time. And it didn't turn out that way. And I perhaps shared on other occasions that um, my struggle with retaining joy, happiness in my life, I thought that had to do with becoming mature and getting more serious with life, God dealing with some of the junk that still remained in my heart and 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 becoming more responsible for the first time and, and all the rest. And it was only more recently that I was challenged as I was sharing that story with, with someone and the person challenged me that perhaps um, it wasn't about just life getting more serious and all the rest, that I, I wasn't experiencing the effervescent joy that I'd, I'd known at the beginning. Maybe the reason why I, that wasn't being sustained is because I was allowing the circumstances of life to distract me. And I was focusing on the difficulties instead of focusing on the Lord and his goodness. In those early months, it was all new, and so I didn't care about any of the other stuff. I was on welfare with my mother. My mother and I were on welfare before I came to know the Lord. We were still on welfare after I came to the Lord. I was terrified about what I didn't have. Terrified again. I was I, I was discouraged and depressed about our poverty before I came to the Lord. I didn't care about it after coming to know the Lord because everything had so changed. And, um, and yet, as time went on, I would, I wasn't, caring for my gift of joy in this in the way that I should have allowing myself to be distracted by other things peace somebody who has struggled a lot with anxiety and nervousness and this sort of thing uh peace has been a bit of a challenge and so I have a couple stories I, I want to share with you one was a quite a miraculous uh impartation of peace that I experienced in one Different, pretty different. So the, the first one um, happened during the time where I was organizing a major event in the city, and I, I've had the privilege of organizing some pretty substantial Christian events in, in Ottawa. One was a very large worship conference um, in 2004, and and God blessed so wonderfully. Um, and then another time, uh, you, you're aware that some of our kids have been involved with a ballet company in Mississippi called Ballet Magnificat, and uh, I helped bring them to Ottawa uh, some years ago. And uh, they have a ballet to the the story of the hiding place, which is very, very powerful. And um, so I organized this event, and um, 
as if you've ever seen me in getting ready for many of our Sunday mornings, you could see how I could run around like a chick with my head cut off. I'm concerned about getting everything right and making sure it's good and adding the live stream is, is an extra thing. And I, I want things to go really well. And I tend to notice every little thing that goes wrong. And I, and I tend to obsess about those sorts of things. And so, like, what is it with a person like me organizing a major event? But actually, I love doing that sort of thing. And... Um, and I'm grateful that I'm actually concerned about some of these finer details that I think make a, a significant difference in how it, these events serve people. And so it was the evening of the event. There was so much to plan. We had to house and feed uh, the dancers, the marketing, uh, uh, arranging for an interview on CHRI for one of the key people and and. Um, other, all the other people helping and all the rest and arranging the facility and on and on and on and on and on. And now it's the evening of the event. And just before it was time to start, uh, we had a prayer time. And uh, one of the people that was helping and volunteering, uh, we, what we did was, we, I think we prayed together, was, I shared a devotional, prayed together, and we broke up into little groups to pray. And this one person prayed for me. And I was going to emcee the, the night and dressed up. And and, uh, and then um, some of you know the MP, uh, Pierre Polyev. Well, he was the MP of the riding where the event was. It was at uh, Cedar View Alliance. And um, we got in touch with him, and he was going to come, and he was actually going to welcome people to the riding. And it turned out that he had just been to on a trip to Auschwitz and learned all about the Holocaust. And he was able to relate that to the event of, of the story of the hiding place, which was wonderful. But anyway, having a, a member of parliament there increases the anxiety up and all the rest. And, and so just before the event, this, this guy by the name of Paul prays for me. He's praying for me. And all of a sudden, I'd never experienced this before. And I don't think I've experienced it since. This sense of peace came on me like I'd never experienced before. And here I am in charge of this whole thing. You know, if anything goes wrong, all the rest. And yet it's like this, this sense of peace came upon me. And so I did the opening, prayed. I think I prayed. And then I sat down uh, with Robin. Pierre Polyev was behind me. And I sit in the seat and I could feel myself lo in this lovely sense of sinking into this cushioned seat. And I just had a wonderful evening. Instead of fretting about it, all the things that I couldn't do anything about at that point, I just enjoyed the event so much. A gift of peace had been imparted to me. Well, this other peace story doesn't feel like peace. It was much earlier uh, in our lives. Um, we lived back and forth across this great country. And at this time, we were living in Montreal, We'd been in Vancouver for about six years after graduating Bible school, and the Lord calls back to Montreal. And um, going back to Montreal, along with that came additional anxiety because our families lived in Montreal. And, and Robin's family in particular was not very thrilled, to say the least, about our faith. In fact, um, quite antagonistic towards it. Um, uh, her, her parents actually had disdain for our faith. We're grateful that they loved us, and through the years, um, their appreciation of us as people, uh, I would say for me, I guess, because marrying, when Robin married me, for them, is like concerns of her faith, marrying me was like the last nail in the coffin. 
because now she was really going to stick with this thing that they thought was so ridiculous and 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 terrible. Um, but anyway, as the kids came and all the rest, uh, we had a good relationship with them, but they really didn't like the fact that we, as Jewish people, believed in Jesus. Um, and I had this fear about going back to Montreal, I, and I, I thought it was one of my unfounded fears that, um, you know, it's one thing living th- uh, 5,000 kilometers away in Vancouver, but now we're in Montreal, and I had this fear that I was one day going to be preaching on a street corner. I don't preach on street corners, but I was going to be preaching on some street corner, and all of a sudden, Robin's parents were going to show up. And then, like, there I'd be up there, like Billy Graham, and my, 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 my Jewish relatives were going to all of a sudden appear. I, I, you know, it was a fear of mine. So one day, I, uh, well, I had it with our two oldest. Uh, they were probably about 10, 9, something like that. Um, nine, 9 and 8, actually. Our two elders were 9 and 8. And I headed down to Burlington, Vermont, about an hour and a half away from Montreal. The, we were heading down there because uh, this couple, and you met the husband. Some of you met the husband of this couple. Um, our friend Steve Skinner um, at that time was with the U.S. Air Force. He's now a FedEx pilot, and he's come to... Uh, to church here in Ottawa a couple times. So Captain Skinner uh, arranged with his wife uh, a special event in a park in Burlington. They lived in Plattsburgh because he was in the Air Force there. And across the Champlain River is Burlington. And in a lovely park, uh, they arranged to have a like a Messianic Jewish event. It was the holiday of Sukkot, Tabernacles. And what it was going to be, we were going to have singing, there was a band there, we were going to have Israeli folk dancing, and he had a whole bunch of people lined up to speak, and uh, between the songs and the dancing, these different people would come up and speak for about 10 minutes, and I was one of those people. And so that's why we went down on this beautiful, beautiful, glorious fall day, we drove down uh, to be part of this event, an hour and a half from Montreal far away from the relatives. And so um, I did my, my 10-minute bid, and we're part of the festivities. And Steve had said to us who were the speakers, if the Lord had given us anything extra to share, let him know there might be time to do that. And um, this was around the time period. It was 1990, um, and uh, one year before the Berlin Wall came down. And I felt the Lord give me this message about how just like the Berlin Wall came down and uh, reunited Germany, um, so he sent his son to tear down the wall between us and God. That's a good little picture. And because it was such a relevant news story at the time. So I went over to Steve and I said, I, I've got this, I think the Lord gave me another message to share. And he said, okay. And it would be in so many minutes later. So... It was, like I said, we're in this city park and I was out pacing, praying and kind of getting my thoughts together about what I would share. And I lift up my eyes and who do I see walking right towards me? My in-laws and Robin's brother and his wife who live in the Burlington area. And I never connected. After all, why would they be coming down? And the reason why they were coming to the park is because our friends advertised Israeli folk dancing and this other all the stuff that we would be doing that afternoon. And Robin's mother loves, like Robin does, Israeli folk dancing, and they wanted to come and check it out, not knowing that they were going to come and hear their son-in-law 
preach in public. And so here it is, my fear. We're an hour and a half away from Montreal. What are they doing here? Except it made total sense. And so there they're coming. And at that moment, I felt like the, I, I wished that the ground would just open up and I would fall through. And I was just like, went into <laughs> this kind of form of shock. And I went up to Steve and I said, Steve, my in-laws just arrived. And he looks at me, and we had some other friends from Montreal that were there, and I told them, and they, they're there. And I remember uh, our, our two eldest were, were sitting somewhere else, and, and I'm talking to my in-laws, and I'm waving at the kids, and I'm going. And they, they, they got it right away, that, that knowing how they felt about our faith, and, and here we were in this kind of situation. And so Steve was very gracious, and he said, if you want to back out, it's fine. And he said, no, no, I have to do this. And, um, and I did. And uh, they were there, and I think that's the only time I got to preach the gospel to my, my in-laws, and I believe God arranged it, and that's really the point. And I remember when I was done, um, I don't know, usually like talking like this, but I actually felt like throwing up, and it was just, it was, I just emotionally, it was horrible. And yet, for those few moments, it was the world the way it's supposed to be, that God gave me the opportunity that he arranged all the, all the pieces to come together, that they would be there at that time. And as I've explained when we shared about peace, peace, shalom, is about all the pieces being in their rightful place. And my decision to go through with it was me saying yes to God, that we're going to do this, I had my plans. <laughs> I wonder if God was chuckling when I went over to Steve. Hey, Steve, I got this great idea. I have this message. And God knew that my in-laws were going to be part of the audience. And, and again, I could have just rejected that. But by the grace of God, went through with it as these pieces were coming together. The last one is hope. And now Robin understands why I asked about hope in the car because I don't have a hope story. They're little ones, but I don't have one that's like the other ones. And it's hope has been a difficult one because I've tended to focus on the difficulties. Because I've forgotten my joy. Maybe I've had more trouble connecting with love as I'd like to think. And I've gotten my eyes off the Lord. And so what happens is I find myself focusing on the difficulties, on the fears. And when you do that, you lose hope. And I wonder, I think really what's been happening with all these stories and all the other stories that I could tell you and I'm so grateful. And one of the ways I encourage myself when I go off to pray and I find myself discouraged without hope, I go through the stories of what God has done and it's just astounding. The reminders that he's been with me, the reminders that he's real, the reminders that he's working, the reminders that I haven't been left alone. And I guess that, I guess, is the story of how I receive the gift of hope. Because when I have been struggling, I go back 
And I guess I, I guess what I'm doing is I'm looking at my presence. I pick them up and I hold them, metaphorically. And I look at what God has done over and over and over again. It would be so easy to neglect it. It would be easy not to take that time. It's easy to stay in the pity party. It's another thing to go, but that thing that God did prove to me oh, again, yet again, yet again of his pre- presence through his presence. He has been real. And yet, it's so easy to disregard his gifts. That's one of the things I do when we have our confession time. Because I forget. And I confess to the Lord, I've forgotten. Please forgive me. Help me to remember. right here John chapter 1 verse 12 but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God God has done everything for us to restore us to him God has done everything for us not only to restore us to him but to fill us with his goodness to make us channels of his grace and blessing to other people. But we need to receive it. We need to allow God to gift to us. He has so much that he wants to pour out upon us. But I wonder if we remain in our poverty because we are unwilling to receive. God, help us all to receive all that he has for us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are so generous, that there is so much on your banquet table for your children to have. Help us to take advantage of your generosity. Open our eyes to see the goodness that you have put before us. Whether it's like what other people have, besides the point. Show each of us what you've given to each of us. And help us, Lord, to receive it, to receive it all. Lord, if there are serious obstacles that are preventing us from receiving what you are offering to us. Shine your light upon those things and help us to be, help them to be gone once and for all that we would freely receive your gifts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca. Thank you.